Because it is a season of wrestling, he says it is needful that we should be naked. If you think about a wrestler, um, has a kind of a one-piece outfit on, very tight, it is slick. The whole point is that the enemy cannot, your opponent cannot get a handle on you. Cannot grab on to anything. So you wear as tight as little as possible so as there's nothing to latch on to, to take you down with. And here John Chrysostom reminds us that we don't want to give Satan anything to latch on to, nothing to hold on to. And so during Lent, what we do is we come before God naked. As if to say, Whatever it is that has been in our life that we have given Satan an opportunity to hold on to, to bring us down, during this season we relinquish it. We let go of it. But he doesn't just stop at saying, relieve yourself of all of these things. He also says, put on. And so during Lent, we want to remove all of these things, but we also want to put on. He says, remove, cut away all the thorns, and then to sow the word of godliness. We are not just to not become something during Lent, but we take things away during Lent in order to become something new. The quiet space of Lent allows us to come to terms, though, with those thorns. It's it's like shedding light on. We, We prayed the litany before service, and it was kind of like a a inventory check. We are asking God to shine light on our souls and to bring to light all of those thorns. And that can be uncomfortable. Silence can be uncomfortable for this because we don't like to come face to face with our sin, let alone to the thought that we might be offending God by the way that we're living our lives. So it can be uncomfortable And then to have to wrestle with the things that we encounter in the quiet. But the earthly fathers speak of this shift that happens during Lent. That you start out one way, and as you work towards the end, you work towards Easter, that you find yourself becoming something else. You find Lent to start to feel different. That at first it feels a little uncomfortable. It can feel awkward. The lament can be difficult, let alone the things that we are brought to light in our life that we have to confess. It can feel uncomfortable, but they talk about it becoming more peaceful as you go through. Like, silence is the most difficult thing. When I do spiritual direction with people, the number one thing that people are most uncomfortable with is quiet. It's uncomfortable. But what the fathers teach us about Lent is that the more you go through Lent, the more at peace you become with silence because the more at peace you become with God and thus with yourself. Alexander Schmemann, whose name I love to say, calls Lent a bright sadness. At times he'll flip it and say, it is a sad brightness. He talks about the sadness of my exile, of the waste that I have made my life, turns into the brightness of God's presence and forgiveness. 
You see, we allow God to release all the things that Satan has latched onto and can take hold of in our life so that we might take on the godly word of God. So that we will become something. But it's difficult in week one. Have you guys ever been to the desert? I always had romanticized the desert and dreamt of going there. I remember our first time when we were living in California. We were living on the lush redwood coast with the ocean crashing against cliffs. I could go on and on about its beauty. But, you know, there was a small hill behind our house, 1,500 feet or something. Um, we used to call it a hill. I guess it was a mountain. But you go over the hill, uh, the other side of the lush redwood trees, and you get, during the summer, the golden hills, which really is dead grass, makes it look golden. And it's, it's sort of depressing in a lot of ways. It's just like a highway forever and ever, and it's just dead grass. And then you go over a little, another mountain range, and you find yourself in the desert. And I don't know what it is. I was a little bit um, disappointed in the California desert because I was expecting the oranges and the beautiful sort of mesas of Arizona or New Mexico. But it's a different feeling desert in many places, especially on our way to Baja, California, uh, to Mexico. In this one particular trip, the first time I went there, I was like, it's, it's actually a little bit ugly. It's not orange, it's brown. It's light brown, it's dusty, and there's a lot of rocks. Not a lot of, it's sandy as much as it is a lot of rocks, and it's jagged. And, and I remember thinking about how the landscape just feels, it feels kind of ugly to me, but it's also mysterious. And you hear people say a lot, like, how could anyone live out here? Like, literally, how could they live out here? But also, why would anyone choose to live out here in the middle of the desert? We got across the border into Mexico, and the reality of the scarce resources of the desert came into, into view very quickly for us as, we went, as our team went out into the middle of the desert, which was only a few miles from Baja, California, the, the Gulf of California. And so you have this sea of uh, salt water where the, where the desert runs right into it. But just a few miles inland, you are, it feels like you're miles away from anything in the middle of nowhere. And there were the jagged, rough mountains that had come across the border from California into the Baja Peninsula. Right there in the middle of it all was a, a drug rehab program for men. And there they were, they'd set up shop in the middle of this place with no resources. And when we arrived, they're standing around a cistern looking at it. It was bone dry. So what's going on? They said, well, we're out of water. And we said, well, what do you do when you're out of water? And they said, we pray. <laughs> Imagine that. And they would send men up to the mountain throughout the day, and they would sit on the mountain and they would pray for water. And what, I, what it took me, unfortunately, way too long to realize was that we were the answer to their prayers. 
I mean, I was with people who didn't have much resources, but we did have enough to get a truck out there and to fill up an empty cistern to overflowing. In the desert, people can go, can become desperate for any means of life and so quickly reminded of their dependence. But also there's a longing, an anticipation that builds. Could you imagine having an empty cistern and praying to God and all of a sudden it's splashing full of water and overflowing? Could you imagine how your need and longing and anticipation would begin to shift over time? We would start expecting God to show up. We would actually look at an empty cistern as an opportunity for God to show up and to fill it. It's in the wilderness where Jesus is confronted. It's in a jagged landscape where he was quiet and surrounded by death. This is where Jesus enters into a season of wrestling. And there he wrestles with hunger, pangs of hunger, with appetites. Jesus wrestles against the kingdom of prestige and power. I'll give you all of this if you just do that. And it's there that Jesus must deny himself. You know, the original sin happened in a garden. And the original sin was an unwillingness to deny ourselves of our appetite for food. And for power and prestige. And man took it into himself. The forbidden fruit. And here is Jesus baptized and before his public ministry, immediately in the midst of this jagged landscape, confronting Satan, tempted to eat. And he denies himself. Jesus does on our behalf, not just at the cross, not only at the resurrection and ascension, but even in the desert. Jesus does for us what we could not do for ourselves. You see, church, fasting is not an imposed isolation. It's not self-imposed isolation. It's not time out for your sins. It's actually about joining ourselves with Christ. Our own experience, joining ourselves with Him in that place. Because when we go out to that jagged, rocky landscape, surrounded by temptation, longing for the appetites of our flesh, quiet and isolated and confronted with our weakness and our brokenness, we meet our Lord there. There he is. And we wait for him. And we find him there. You see this, this shift that happens over Lent. is like you, you've offended a friend and you've bumped into them in a restaurant and they ask to sit with you. 
It's a friend that you haven't reconciled with and you guys are at odds. And you come face to face with your sin that you haven't reconciled with them and you're like, um, I, guess, I guess you can sit with me. Uncomfortable silence. But then over time, as reconciliation takes place, that old familiarity, when that person used to represent home for you, where you were at perfect peace when you were in their presence, all of the sudden, that silence shifts from an awkward confrontation with your sin to the peace of being at home. This is the bright sadness of Lent. Becoming aware of Christ's presence as we confront our need in this growing sense of gratitude for the grace that only he gives to fill the empty cisterns of our life. And the bright sadness of Lent is where the awareness of our jagged edges are eventually transfigured by the rising sun. We used to wake up in Mexico and climb up to that ugly mountain behind our house, behind the place where we stayed. And on top of that mountain is where I began to love the desert. It was pink. The sun over the Bay of California. It was transfigured. In the bright sadness of Lent, the dry cisterns splash and finally fill and become overflown. Only because they were dry. Only because they were empty. Only because it was ugly and we were at the end of ourselves. The desert never changed. But my eyes did. And this Lent, God never changes. But you, your experience of him can change. The silence that you have avoided can become your source of life. As you sit in the wilderness of Lent this year, my prayer for you is not just that you would wrestle and conquer sin. Here's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would meet Jesus there. That you would walk out into that valley, into that wilderness, and that you would sit with Jesus. And in doing so, your eyes would be transfigured and you would be made new. Amen.